You're listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast, where we believe this is no ordinary life, and every day an opportunity to discover more of God's heart, pursue His manifest presence, and make a difference by no ordinary means. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Jessica Desmond. For more information and other resources, visit www.noordinarylife.co.za. So, what I want to speak on today, and I think it's going to probably start a poss- possibly another series, we'll see where the Lord leads, which I'm very excited about, but we're going to be speaking on encounter, um, what it is, like what it looks like, what are the differences, how, how to do this, really delving into that. Um, topic because I mean I think you don't have to be part of this church for very long to know that this is something that we are extremely passionate about something that we carry as a body and something that we really want to impart to the world so today um, I think what I've what I've titled this is just the importance of encounter and that's what I really hope to um, highlight today so um, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 1 1 to 4 1 John 1, 1. And it says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and which was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. What so struck me with that, while I started reading this, the Lord really led me to this, and I've I've been stuck literally in those four verses for a long time. It speaks about a gospel that we've seen. It speaks about a gospel that we've heard, that we've touched, that we've encountered. It doesn't speak about this thing that we've heard via via through this so-and-so, through this through some kind of chain. It speaks about something that we have actually tangibly with our natural five senses encountered. And it just hit me. I was like, well, what kind of gospel am I carrying when I'm going out and I'm speaking to people um, and I'm at work or I'm at a coffee shop when I'm talking to people about what I claim is the most important thing to me, my faith. And when I talk about sharing the gospel, what kind of gospel is it? Can I say that it's a gospel that I have encountered, that I've seen, that I've heard, that I've encountered in my own walk with God? Um, That's why it's so important that when when we're talking to people, the gospel that John is um, speaking of here, it's a gospel that he actually literally walked with. He was a disciple of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He knew him. He knew him as a friend, as a person. He knew the, the, the way he walked. I mean, I have this thing, I know my family so well, I can tell who's coming up by like how their footprints sound. You know, um, you can kind of tell who's approaching by, by these kinds of things. And you realize that John, he was so confident in his relationship with the Lord that he is the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He's like, that's me. I'm so confident in that. I'm going to write it in my book. (laughs) That's me. That's my name. Um, And so this is who he's talking. He's like, "This, this is what I'm writing to you, that your joy may be complete. This is the gospel that we have. It's something so real and tangible. And then my challenge was like, well, is that the gospel that I carry and I'm pursuing that kind of gospel that when I speak to people, it's something that I can say, oh, but I've seen that, but I've heard that, I've touched that, I've experienced it with my natural senses. 
Um, also, the other thing that really um, stuck out to me here, it says, um, that which we've seen and heard, it says that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus. When you invite people in to be friends with, with me, with us, with who we are, it's like, oh, if you want to experience God, come, come join us, come be with us, because I'll tell you who else is with us, God is with us. He's with us. If you come hang out with us, we're walking with God, so you'll be able to walk with God as well. Um, it's like if you're hanging out with us, you're hanging out with him. And creating a space in our own lives and in our church that we are confident that this, this is what you're going to see when you're with us. Um, you know, the reality is, is when you talk about fellowship and friends, being friends with God, you're not friends with people you've only read about. You're not friends with them. You might know a lot about them, that's great, but you're not friends with them. Um, and if we're pursuing friendship with God, we, friendship requires encounter. It requires, because relationship, it requires intimacy, and intimacy requires encounter. You can't be really intimately know someone, really say, oh, I've got such an intimate relationship with them, if you are not with them. Um, it just doesn't work like that. In fact, knowledge without encounter is stalkerish. <laughs> it's kind of what it is. If someone came up and you didn't have a clue, you'd never met them in your life, you'd never had a single encounter with them, and they knew everything about you, it's a little creepy. And the reality is that's how sometimes we approach the Lord. We know a heck of a lot about him, but we've never sat five minutes to just be with the Lord and actually just be with him. Um, I went, I visited my brother's church uh, a couple months ago, and there was a girl, she shared this story, and I just thought it was just so wonderful. It's one of those things that you just tuck away in your back pocket and think, mm, that'll preach, and it is. Um, and she said she, um, she absolutely... Like, she really was just studying the word. She was getting into it. She was reading, doing all these theology courses and stuff like that that she really wanted to know. And that's all great. Like, all for that. That's wonderful. Um, and she was really just digging into all of this stuff. And she said she sat down one day and she heard the voice of the Lord saying, I mean, I can't remember what her name is, but um, we'll call her Emily. She said, Emily, when are you going to stop stalking me and just go on a date with me? <laughs> and she was there like, um, and that just stuck, and I was like, it's so true. Sometimes we're just so stalking, <laughs> so stalking the Lord that we forget that it's a friendship, it's a relationship. And in fact, we, so, we even study the things of like, oh, it's a relationship, not a religion, you know, it's not just a set of rules. And we actually we turn that into a talking point. And we don't actually say, hey, this is a, it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. It's actually an, a friendship and a relationship. It requires encounter. It requires two people in a room talking, having a moment together. Over can be anything. It can be over the Bible, over a theology topic. It absolutely can be. It can also be over a song. It can be over anything, but it's two people interacting over something mutually. Um, so um, there's this story in the Bible that I've also been really meditating on. I won't read the whole thing, so I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's in Genesis 18. So you can read that during the week. It's a beautiful story. But basically, it's the story of Abraham, and he is, it says it's midday, 
He's sitting in, um, he's sitting at the mouth of his tent. The mouth, which of the door, opening of his tent. And he's by his tent in the shade. It's midday in the desert, very hot. And it says that the Lord passed by. And it says that Abraham saw three men. And there was something in that moment, something in his 99-year-long walk with the Lord, that he saw three men passing by, and it caused this old man to totter through the burning sand, throw himself face down before the Lord, and say, well, please, please just stop. Wherever you're going, whatever, please, please come to my tent. Come be with me. I, and he, he made bread. He... Um, killed an animal. He made he made a meal. To please just come, just come for a moment here to where I live in my home, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. There was something in these three strangers that were just passing through. That something in Abraham's spirit said, "I know that that is the Lord." He recognized the Lord when he was passing by, and he said, "No, come, come to me. Come and sit in my house. Come and be with me." And for me, that speaks about a history with the Lord. Yes. It speaks about something that he saw that he'd been, he, he had been in the presence of the Lord so many times that when the presence of the Lord passed by, even unrelated, they weren't stopping at his tent. He recognized the presence of the Lord. And he saw this. And it wasn't one guy. It was three. It didn't even look like what you would imagine the Lord would be. And he said, I know that, that I know who that is, and I need that here in my house and my tent. And he brought them in. And there was something about his walk with God, um, there was something about his friendship with the Lord that he actually recognized what that was. Um, and it got me thinking, like, what kind of familiar familiarity, <laughs> there it is, um, do you need to have fostered in your life to be able to recognize the presence of God when it walks past? And to say, no, come, please sit in, in my house. Um, to the point where if you turn over into Isaiah 41, verse 8, it's speaking about, you know, um, Israel who I've chosen, you know, all of these things. But this, I mean, it literally almost wanted to, it caused me to, to weep. Like it literally, I wanted to just cry. Because it says, it says, it speaks about Israel and it just says this, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. That was, that was what God said <laughs> to Isaiah about Abraham. It's God referred to Abraham. That was my friend. That was my friend. And the reason the Lord is speaking these things about Israel and his, his love for Israel, his, his protection, his fear nots, all of this, it was because those kids there, as unruly as they are, they're the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Um, and if you read on in that story in Genesis 18, there's a whole lot of things happen and they chat. And then as they're leaving, um, one of the, the, the three guys, and I'm, I mean, I'm not really sure on this, but I was like, oh, interesting. It's the Lord and there's three and there's three, but it's one and there's three. And interesting. Anyway, um, but one of the three <laughs> turns to the other one as they're leaving. And basically he's like, I, can I tell him? I can't hold anything back from this man. And he then sees it, well, they're on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah, and this is what's happening. And then this causes Abraham to actually intercede on, on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and say, well, if they are 50, you know, if they are 40. And it causes this discourse that actually didn't have anything to do with Abraham initially. But it was because of this friendship 
that Abraham had with the Lord that caused the Lord's heart to be like, I can't hold anything back from this man. Like, can I tell him? And because of that, because then it wasn't just me chattering to the Lord about all my issues. It was actually something that was on the Lord's heart. And had nothing to do with Abraham. But because of that, then Abraham actually got to step in and say, oh, but Lord, let's, let's have a little chat. Like, let's talk about this. That's what a friend is. That's what a friend is, where I bring what's on my heart, you bring what's on your heart, and we can talk about it. And even the thought of having that with an almighty God is really humbling. But we see it here in the Word. It's Abraham, my friend, which I just think is just beautiful. Um, there's a huge, huge, huge difference between knowing about God and actually knowing God. It's a, there's a big difference. And again, can you turn in your Bible? This is Jeremiah 9, 23. Um, I did bookmark it. Yes, it is. Um, Jeremiah 9.23. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I literally opened my Bible and, you know, it just opened there. And it doesn't usually just open in that spot. So I was like, oh, is it one of those? Um, <laughs> and I think it was because it says this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What is so, so lovely about this scripture is it says, for in these things I delight. And I just worked it backwards. I was like, okay, Lord, what delights you? You work that back. It's this, a people. It's a people that know him. What You want to delight the Lord's heart? Get to know him. Get to know him. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, this is what delights you. It's, it's a people that understand you and know you. And that comes to that point. There's a vast, vast difference between knowing about and truly knowing God. So many Christians pursue theology, and they do not pursue God. And a lot of people, they pursue, they pursue theology for other Christians, not even for God. They're pursuing this to, to, to bolster the intellect. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to do that at all, but it's like, when I, there's a difference between committing to a history lesson, a history class, and standing up on an altar in front of someone and saying, I do commit to being a lifelong student of you. There's a difference. The, 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 the object of what they're doing, they are pursuing, they're getting to know, but why? And, and from what context? And where are you standing? Are you in a classroom? And what is your motivation in this? But there's so many people, they pursue theology and they think they're pursuing God and they think they know God, but they actually have never stood in a room with him and encountered him in that moment. Um, the reality is, is like someone could, uh, in my life, they could look through my, all my Facebook, 
Okay, back to the embarrassing 13-year-old post, you know, when you do like little case, big case, little case, big case. Anyway, and um, like the pictures and the memes that you do, like all of these things, they can go back, they can study this, they can talk to all of my friends or people that know me really well, the people that do know me, that, you know, they can study, they can write a book on me, they can teach classes on me. It does not mean that I'm their friend. It does not mean that I have a relationship with them, even if they know all of this. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that. In fact, we could even, I could even have business meetings with this person and they could be like, listen, I'm teaching a class on you on Sunday morning, 9.30, and I just want to know um, like yes, these couple of things, you know? And I can be like, oh, well, Yana, I can tell you about that. So this is where, I, this is what I think of that, la, da, da, da. And they go, cool, thank you so much. And the whole purpose of that meeting was for their Sunday meeting, was for their Thursday night meeting. For some, the whole purpose of the interaction was for something else. And the reason that they're studying me is for this. And the reason that they're studying and they know about me is so that they know about me. And they've done a really good job and they're very clever and they know all about me. That's great. You know, they, they're smart. They maybe know more about me than, than my family does. Cool beans. But they're not my friend. They're not my friend. They're not in relationship with me. It's very different. Um, and I think you can get really locked into that kind of mindset about the Lord. And it, it's appealing because it's neat and tidy. It's because you can understand it. When you understand something, you're in control of that thing. And if something makes you uncomfortable and it's not in the parameters of your understanding, you kick it out because it, it irritates your bubble of, I know everything, I'm an expert. And it's very comfortable to feel that way because you don't feel like anything's going to ruffle your feathers. And also, when someone's based their relationship with God in just knowing about God, if something comes in that they don't know about, it shifts everything. And they're like, well, if I don't know, if my foundation is I know all, I know this, as soon as something comes out that's out of that realm, that whole foundation of what they've built their Christian life on starts to shake. And then they get afraid because if, if, if I don't know, then my whole foundation is crumbling and everything I've built on it is coming down. And there's no, there's no way. However, the other way you can do this is if, if I've built this on relationship with the Lord, if something comes in and I'm not fully understanding this, okay, first, first things first, obviously, you know, it, and obviously this thing is incompatible with the word of the Lord. Like, obviously we build that all in the Bible. But something comes, I've never seen it before. I don't exactly know what it is. I go, hmm, I don't just chuck it out because it's scary and it's threatening my castle. I bring it into the Lord. And I'm like, hey, what's this? I don't, like, what is this? Can you tell me? But somehow it must fit in here. I don't know where it fits in. And it's irritating me. But, you know, can you do something about this? What is this thing, please? And the Lord's like, oh, yeah, cool. No, this goes right here. And you go, wow, that's so much better like this. And you actually allow God to be God and control your life rather than you having to filter everything that God does through the, through the grid of my understanding of God. Um, it's, yeah, so it's neat and tidy like that. You get to be in control. You get to be an expert when people come to you and they tell you all of these things. Um, also, um, I was reading, I was reading in Acts the one time and it was when the infilling of the Holy Spirit came down and the people, they spilt out of the, the upper room and they out onto the streets and people like, oh my goodness, you're drunk. So obviously we have people drunk in the Spirit. We got all different languages breaking out. Peter starts preaching. We got people getting saved, set free, delivered. Then it just goes nuts. 
And then if you carry on reading, you've got people, they're meeting in houses, they're going to the temple, um, they're going to the temple every day to worship. They're breaking bread, they're selling what they have, they're giving to the poor. And the Lord told me, he said, what is that? He's like, that looks a lot like chaos, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, no, that sounds a lot like chaos, Lord, it really does. He's like, well, what, what makes you think this is neat and tidy? When the Holy Spirit comes, what, may, where, what makes you think that this is so tied up in a ribbon, we understand everything? Um, Bill Johnson once said, he said, I refuse to limit God to the level of my own understanding. Because if you do that and you say, God, you are not allowed to do anything that I don't understand because it frightens me, God will very often honor your wishes, but you're going to live here. Yeah. And, you know, you'll get a level of it. But if you want God to really be God in your life and you want to see the bigness, the greatness, and, and the, the things that are beyond your mind, beyond what you've seen, you want to see this kind of thing, you actually have to be prepared for your little brain to explode and you have to be okay with a little bit of chaos because he's God and you're not. Knowledge doesn't necessarily lead to intimacy. You've got someone stalking you, stalking you. You're not necessarily, oh, they come and they tell you, but I know all this about you. You're going to be a bit more like, hi, ah, call the police, rather than, oh, wow, that's so sweet. Um, however, I do want to say this, intimacy does lead to knowledge. So encounter is an invitation. And I would argue that if, if your encounter with God doesn't spur you to a, to a desire to read more about him, to study him, and actually doesn't lead you on a path of like, well, what is that? And you, for you to study some of that theology and to get with people that know, if that encounter doesn't lead you on a path, I, would, I could argue that you've rejected that encounter, depending on what that encounter is. Because intimacy, it leads to knowledge. Because you can see that you meet someone and they're really, really cool, and you're like, oh, I'd really like to be their friend. And you kind of, you know, hang out a bit, hang out a bit more. You're curious about them. So you're like, well, tell me about yourself, you know? You meet someone, like, well, what do you do? Oh, wow, that's fascinating. You get in, well, tell me about your family. And have they always lived there? Um, and have you always wanted to do that? Does that come from your dad's side or your mom's side, you know? Um, it's, it's something like that, that, that as soon as you meet someone, it's natural. You get curious. And you're like, I want to know more about you. I mean, I've watched a whole lot of my friends in the last little while, like, get married and move on. And it's, it's great because you see them, they meet someone, and all of a sudden, it's like, so, like, what, what's your mother's maiden name? <laughs> you know, and what was her mother's maiden name? And what's your favorite thing to eat? And do you like it? And it's like, it's like all these details that, frankly, I couldn't be cared about this person. I'm like, eh, really don't care. But, you know, your friends, they're like, their mother's maiden name was Smith. And you're like, that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, and there's just something... When you want to get more and more levels and more and more um, intimate with the person in a relationship, it, it spurs you to want to get to know them more. And it's the same with the Lord. So encounter does lead you further and further and further into knowledge and into pursuing the things of the Lord and understanding him on greater and greater levels and understanding his world, how he works, the law, like all of these things. Um, and I also believe that in this generation, we have to be raising a people that know and recognize his voice and are, and are encountering the Lord. Um, Jemima and my dad and I were having this conversation about actually, like, what, do, what does this generation need? Because you can come at them with arguments, 
you can come with them with like good apologetics and stuff and say, oh, you know, and present the gospel in a rational, logical way. And a lot of the time people are like, cool, that's, I'm so glad that you believe that. I believe this. And they'll go on with their thing because there's your truth and there's my truth. There's no objective truth. And it's like just a whole lot of ideas. And they're like, like love that for you kind of a, <laughs> kind of a thought. However, when you can say, present that gospel that says, oh, but I've seen this. I've heard this. Like, no, and, or if, even better, you can bring them into a place where they see something and they hear it. Because we're, if you're walking with us, you're walking with God. That's what's actually going to reach a generation who's, in a sense, rejected ultimate truth. That's what's going to reach this generation. So we really need to be um, pursuing that. Um, it reminds me, Dad was telling me a story. He was chatting to my brother, um, Daniel, and Dan was saying, yeah, no, they're talking about, like, childhood. And, uh, my brother was like, yeah, no, he remembers going through kind of that teenage phase where you're just questioning, like, you know, the Lord and all of these things. And um, he said to my dad, he's like, yeah, well, it's, it's really difficult to reject the reality of God when you, when you watch legs grow out at eight years old. And I was like, fair point. It is very difficult to reject the reality of God when you've held someone's leg in your hand and watched it grow out. I was 10, Daniel was 8. That was the first miracle we saw. And Daniel has seen that. He's seen a crippled guy walk. He's seen stomach ulcers disappeared. He's just seen the most incredible miracles um, in, in his life, all throughout his teen years, from when he was a small child, from 8 years old. He's just saw the Lord work and move like that. So you can't really come with an argument against the Lord because you're like, well, I, cool story. Um, you know, you can come to me and speak to me about new evidence that they found that Julius Caesar didn't exist and, you know, there's all of these things in this actually and they can explain it and then you kind of looking at this evidence being like, well, it's he said, she said. Um, and you're like, well, okay, that's interesting. But there's no way for me, because I'm not a necessarily an expert in it. You've got two opposing theories. You're like, well, which one is it? But if someone came and gave me a really well-balanced, good argument why my mom doesn't exist, I'm going to be like, you're lying. <laughs> you're lying because I know her. Like, you can, you can get a really tight argument about it, but I'm like, it's just not going to go anywhere because I kind of live with her. Um, same with, like, false claims about you know, different leaders and people, and like uh, friends or whatever, you know, someone come, oh, did you know that this person is X, Y, and Z? And you can be like, no, they're not. I know them. That's ridiculous. Like, that's absolutely, it doesn't fall. It doesn't stick because you're like, oh, but I know them. I'm friends with them. I know what they believe. That's ridiculous. And it doesn't actually stick. Um, and that's also the power of encounter, of really knowing someone, knowing who they are. Um, I thought about this example. Um, would you, okay, well, to the, probably more to the parents in the room, would you listen to a parenting expert who'd read all the books but had never encountered a two-year-old tantrum? No. <laughs> or like someone who actually doesn't have kids. And they're like, you know what you should do? I've listened to this TikTok and it's just like it's going to change your life. Come here and sit down and we talk to you about it. Um, just from being an older sister, I've watched my parents being like, Come back in 15 years. Thanks. You don't listen to those kinds of experts that have never experienced something. And there's something about actually pulling back and being friends with the Lord, getting to know the Lord. Um, after, after listening to 
that story of Abraham, and I actually heard it preached from a, a prophet that we know, an incredible prophet. My mom sent me this message. She's like, you have to listen to this. And I did. And um, my mom and I actually came away. We compared notes after we'd listened to it, and we realized we'd had pretty much the same encounter. Um, but this guy, he's incredible. Uh, he's the most amazing prophet. He first starts out by saying how he, the Lord told him about COVID in 2018, what, where, like where it was coming from, what was going to happen, the places it was going to hit most. He told him about the U Ukraine and Russia, and he called people, he spoke to, spoke to you, so this is what's going to happen. Um, he, the Lord told him that the queen was going to die a couple weeks before anyone knew she was in hospital. All of these things. And it, like when, he, when he started hearing, of, uh, the Lord started speaking about what was happening with COVID, um, and he started showing his heart for the world, he said he went out where he was and he got in his face because he saw where it was hitting, going to hit in America the most. He said, I've got children in, that, in those places. And he got in his face before the Lord and he started interceding and praying. The Lord started showing him um, the revivals that were going to break out, where they were, what's going to happen over the world. And I'm listening to him speak on this. And I just said to the Lord, I was like, oh, my goodness, Jesus, here yeah, he is speaking to you about Russia and Ukraine. But every time you come to my house, I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. Please take a seat, like have a notebook. We're going to talk about my issues. So we're going to start with this. It's really bothering me, and I'm wondering what we can do about it. And I end up, it's like, it's like it's actually all about me and like my little world that I'm in. And um, I wrote this in my journal. I said, I haven't been standing in the in the sovereignty of God. Um, I've been just being in the ecosystem of my own soul. And I said to the Lord, I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't been a very good friend to you because I've been talking about me a lot <laughs> and my issues <laughs> and all the things that I really need your help for and the things that from where I stand, I'm looking at the world and I'm like, you know what, come here. You could really do something about this. I'm just, just you know, in my opinion. And I've been so, um, you know, I haven't been standing with, in God's heart. I've been standing in the ecosystem of my own soul. I was like, Lord, I haven't been a very good friend to you. Tell me what's on your heart. Just like Abraham, when he, he recognized the presence, he called it in. And then the Lord started speaking to him about unrelated things. And that caused Abraham to be able to intercede for other nations. And I was like, this is what this, this prophet was doing. The Lord started speaking to him about other things and it caused him to intercede. Um, and I was like, oh, Lord, okay, that's something I haven't been a very good friend to you. Another thing that, you know, you pitfall is like, oh, you know what, Lord, I have used you as a tool to advance my own intellectual prowess. I haven't been a very good friend to you. Um, and so, like, my greatest desire, the thing that I would like to be known for, to carry through, is that I was a friend of God. That's what I want. And that requires sitting with him um, and encountering him. And that's why it's vitally important that we do this. That's why it's important that our relationship with God is based on exactly that relationship. It's not just pursuing knowledge. We're not stalking the Lord. We're actually like, Lord, I want to be a friend of yours. And that's how I know all these things about you is because you told me or we studied it together. So kind of just to end off, like how do we, how do we develop a culture of encounter or for encounter? Like how do we do this? Because I'm a practical person. I'm like, give me tips and tools. Thank you. Um, the number one thing that, that I believe is to make space for encounter, to hold space and to have open, available time 
that the Lord can come and meet with you because we are very used to like filling space with things and making it practical. So our time with the Lord is like we have a plan. This is what we're doing. We're going to hit these topics. It's like meeting notes, you know. We're going to hit these prayer points. We're going to pray about this person, this person. I'm going to read some of this. Tick, tick, tick. Brilliant. And off we go. And we're good at filling space. Sometimes we're not used to actually leaving empty space and just opening it up for the Lord to come in and fill. Um, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We so often apply this to non-Christians of like allowing people into their heart. But I think it also applies to this, is developing sensitivity. So would you recognize him if he not? If he walked past your tent, would you recognize his presence? Have you fostered a moment where you're so sensitive to the whims and what he feels like that you recognize him? This is one of the important things of coming to church or being with Christian friends um, that are walking with the Lord is because there, there's certain places that I know and there's certain people that I know if I talk to them, I'll feel the Lord's presence. They're like, I know that when I come to church on a Sunday, I know that I'm going to feel his presence and that I'm like, okay, that's what that feels like. That's what you feel like. That's what you are. This is who you are. So that if I feel that on a random Wednesday at like 10.32, I'm going to be like, well, I know what that is. Yeah. Um, and it's this thing of like, you know, you... Maybe, you, maybe you're reading your Bible and you just get to a verse and you just like, and you hear that. And you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, you really hear? Yeah, you're really on this verse. Let me just stop. Let me just make space in this. Let me just sit here in this verse. Let me just allow that to minister to me. Let that just sink into my heart. Um, but then maybe you're driving and you just, all of a sudden, for no real reason, just like, this is like a little knock. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that was you, Lord. I'm just going to sit there for a bit. Hi. What, what, are you, what are you doing here? Why, why, why are you here? And sometimes he doesn't even need a reason. reason. And you just say like, oh, it's nice. How are you? How are you doing today? What's, what's on your heart, Lord? You know? Um, I guess sometimes you're listening to a song. It can be any song. And you just hear like a little knock. And you're like, oh, here's the Lord um, with a friend. You're having coffee with a friend. And you just, oh, wow, I just really feel his presence. He's just so here right now. It's just like making space and developing sensitivity, raising um, people and friends, because the more you can carry and foster that, the more you become a walking encounter with the Lord, the more you walking with the Lord, then the more the people that encounter you are encountering the Lord and they're becoming an encounter, and then the people that they're walking with, they become an encounter, and we actually start developing a gospel that's so real, and that's the gospel that's going to reach this generation. Um, it's not just going to be a gospel of head knowledge in, in this time. We need people that are actually carrying a gospel that people have seen, heard, touched, felt, that they say, oh, well, no, I know him. Yeah. This is what happens. Oh, well, I've seen legs grow out, so do you want to see a leg grow out? Yeah, come, let's go. Come to church. I'm sure you're going to see, you'll see something. Come to church with me. You're going to meet with God. Something that, that we can carry that kind of boldness in our relationship with the Lord, that we can say, come to church and you'll meet God. Um, it's about putting yourself in his way. So developing sensitivity, um, creating space, and putting yourself in his way. i put myself in situations where I know he is. That's sometimes way beyond my comfort zone, but often um, beyond your comfort zone, that's where the miracles are. So a couple of things that I've done to put myself in his way. Um, so, I mean, I put myself in a way, we did some street evangelism last week, so out of my comfort zone. Not, doesn't, isn't something that comes super like super naturally. <laughs> to me, but I was like, I see it right here in the Bible, and I'm going! 
And I put myself out of one, and it was amazing. It was so, so good. It's one of the reasons why I like to do red frogs, um, which is just reaching young people in party environments, and we just go and love on people and see that, because I know that if I go there, I know I'm putting myself in God's way, and I'm going to see God work with my own eyes. Um, I, when I, we went to Rocking the Daisies and we were staying um, we're on the camp Bex was with me, and it was rough, bro. Like, you like got no sleep, you are working your little tail off. And um, there was one morning I woke up, I was feeling really tired, I was feeling pretty drained, and I was reading my Bible, and this verse popped out to me, and I knew it was for someone on the field. And I was like, okay, Lord, and I had this word, and I tucked it in my heart, went about my day, um, and this girl came up, and she just wanted some water, and we just got chatting about some different things started opening up like about a couple like couple things were going on in her life and I felt the Lord say, Jess, that verse, that's for her. And I was like, all righty then. Long story short, was prayed for this girl. She was, you know, at a festival, prayed for her, prophesied over her. Before she knows, she's got tears like she's like streaming down her face as she said, I was talking to the, I was asking about this this morning, if I remember correctly. She just had tears and she encountered the Lord at a festival. <laughs> at a festival. Um, I had, um, I was leading a team and that was also way out of my comfort zone because at that point I hadn't actually done a lot of like the Red Frogs things and they needed a team leader and the guy that was heading up was like, Jess, would you mind being a team leader? And I was like, oh, like, you know, I haven't done this. And I just was like, and listen, if you think I can do it, I'll do it. Um, and then in, in that way, I said to the Lord, I was like, okay, God, like I've, re- I've led other teams. I haven't done this. I don't know what a, a Red Frog team leader actually does. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to lead it like me. And then we're just going to go, go from there. And I put myself out of my comfort zone and I prayed. I said, okay, Lord, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I was like, I don't know what the status quo is there, but for my team, we're encountering God in this and we're going to see the supernatural go because that's who I am. And if you want to ask me to be a leader, that's what's going to happen. Um, and so I got my team together and I was like, okay, we're going to pray. Who's on there? Let's get some words. What are they wearing? What are their names? What are we looking for? And then I said, okay, let's start dreaming together. What if, what if we see a revival on this? What if we need them? And I started just being like, let's raise faith. Let's hold space for the Holy Spirit. We saw so many cool things. The one guy, he didn't tell me about this until afterwards, but the Lord gave him a name for someone. And the first day, the first shift the first person he spoke to, he said, hi, my name is, and said, and this was the name. And um, this friend of mine, he came back and he's like, I just took it as a sign that God is with me and he knows. So then the next day he said, okay, Lord, well, who am I looking for? And he got a picture of a yellow hat. And we went down into our next shift. There was a guy with a yellow hat, stopped him, had this amazing conversation. He's apparently fallen away from church, but went, and he said, well, come to my church on Sunday. Here's when they swapped numbers and, and started chatting. Something like that. Another guy in my team um, was not, he said he wasn't doing so well with the Lord and almost didn't come on the trip at all. Um, and he decided to come. He said, it's just renewed my faith so much in the Lord. And the next year, he was actually a team leader um, next time they went on, on the mission trip. And that was something that was out of my comfort zone. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, you know, I see that this is a place of encounter and I'm going to put myself in your way. I'm going to put myself out of my comfort zone. I'm going to put myself in your way because I know that this is something that you're doing. It had nothing to do with how fan, fan, fabulous I am. I was very much, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, I see the Lord's hand in what they're doing and in what they're doing. So I'm like, I see the river and I see the desire of the Lord for those people. So I'm going to stand over here and I'm going to put myself 
in their way, in the way of this. Um, something out like, um, you put your way by reading the Bible. You put yourself in God's way by reading the Bible. He's in here. This is the living word. Making space to just read the word every day. You're putting yourself in his way. Talking to people that um, spur your faith, that make you excited about God. That's putting yourself in his way. It's in that, in that fellowship. Um, and just continually being thankful is another way to foster an encounter with the Lord. We're like, oh, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's creating an awareness that he is here. He is working and he's always with you. It's creating that awareness. Um, so to end, personally, I've been feeling this really on my heart. It suggests that this year is a year of encounter. It's a year of like pressing in and encountering the Lord. And coupled with that, I felt myself go through a really dry season. And I'm like, um, but there's a couple of things I've noticed with that. So personally, at the moment, I'm really pressing in for encounter. And there's oftentimes I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm making space. A lot of space. A little too much space. Take up some of the space. Um, but in that moment, it actually creates a hunger in you for this. And it's also an invitation because when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, Lord, come, and you're feeling like you want more but you're not seeing what you've really been asking the Lord for, there's a couple of things that can happen in your own heart. So when you're sitting there and you've made space, and that's a scary thing to do because you're like, well, what if he doesn't come? And you've made space. You, you have to realize that the enemy is going to come with a couple of suggestions as to why you're in the space. And I want to call them out because they're pitfalls and I've watched people fall into them. One of them being like, oh, Lord, why won't you touch me? Why won't you touch me? What's wrong? What's wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? Um, what, what level of Christianity do I have to be? I obviously have to do more things to get to this space. And these are all incredible lies of the enemy. I've got this picture of basically there's a big encounter door and the enemy's there like, you know, you want to go in there. You know, and, well, he's, there's something, there's some resistance. And he's like, well, maybe it's because, uh, maybe it's good God doesn't want to touch you. Yeah, maybe you're just not one of those people. And he'll come up with all of these things. And the reality is, is we actually don't recognize that that's the enemy's voice and you accept it as yours. Or worse, you accept it as theology or the, the Lord's verse and you turn your back on that door and you walk the other way. So one of the reasons why I want to really call it out, God said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He wants relationship. We know it's all throughout the work. He wants a people that knows and understands him. There's no in the Bible that says he's distant. He is, he is a father and he's a good father. So, no, it's, it's got none of those things, and you have to catch yourself when you start to say, say things like that. Um, the reality is, is we were made to walk with God. You can see it from Genesis. When Adam was made to walk with God, what happened was we fell, but God fixed that at the cross. And to deny that God fixed that is to deny the cross. Your design, your physical design in the garden, I was made to walk with God. And my end goal in heaven, walk with God. Is there a gap here? Sure. You know, we're living with a gap. But my job is not, I mean, Bill Johnson also says this actually, my job is not to explain away 
that little gap by creating bad theology to fill it, my job is to press in and press in and press in and keep my hunger going and walk closer and closer and closer to the Lord until that is gone. I certainly would, would never know, well, God doesn't counter me like that. Why? 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 He loves you. He wants you. You were also designed like this. You're also going to this. Are you more powerful than the cross? Is somehow, was he like, oh, nuts, forgot to die for you. Uh, not for you. That's not, not true. Um, and the other thing is, this, this thought of, oh, well, God doesn't always encounter his people or it's not for everyone. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's not true. God, Jesus died for everyone that there would be nothing separating us from him and from relationship with him. So for me, I stand in that gap and that hunger and that, okay, maybe not. And I'm like, praise the Lord for hunger. Also know that you hide yourself so that you may be found that provokes me to search, that provokes me to dig deeper. And if I can refuse those lies, it actually it creates in me this thing of like, I'm going to go further. I'm going to go deeper. If you're not here, then I'm going to go over there. And if you're not there, then I'm going to find you somewhere else. Because obviously, again, this is hide and seek, and this is fun, and I'm going to find you. But somewhere in this, we're going to find you. Um, I'm not going to stop, and I'm certainly not going to stomp my feet and go somewhere else. And I refuse to create this dreadful theology of an absent and neglectful father. I absolutely refuse that. And I am of a father that I can only learn about instead of pressing in and pressing in for more and more and more of God until I don't know if I'm walking in heaven or on earth. That's my goal. So I'm determined to live in ever-increasing expectation of friendship with the Lord. I'm determined to create space for him. And I'm determined to stand in his presence and say, Lord, okay, tell me about you. What's on your heart? What does friendship look like? Maybe even as far as go, Lord, introduce me to you again. I've been caught up in a lot of different things and I've been trying to find you in places where you're not, but introduce me to you. What's on your heart? Um, and to be a people that are standing at the mouth of their tent and looking out and a people that will throw their hands up and say, Lord, visit me. You can come into my tent. Visit me. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Beautiful Life podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel below. If you would like to keep in contact with us, you can sign up for our newsletter by emailing us at info at noordinarylife.co.za or visit our website. If you have any testimonies, please email us. We'd love to hear them. Until next time, have a blessed day.